I've spent so much money on different coaches, consultants, and different things. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's horrible, but every dollar I spend with these guys, like with PBD and value tamer, it just comes back 10 times. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Stick Talk Podcast. We are on the road yet again here in Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood Florida, here with our good friend Aaron. What's going on, man? A whole lot. We're going to talk <laughs> about it. Yeah. A whole lot, a bro. Whole we're lot. at the, the Four compound. years of, of storylines story to catch up on, huh? Yeah. yeah. So we were just talking about it off camera, but uh, Aaron and I were on a sales call for your new business, Sales Momentum, HubSpot, uh, basically done for your HubSpot implementation. And at the end of the call, you're like, yo, let me just give you my number in case you need anything. And I shoot you a text. And like, I saw messages from 2020, four years before. And so I was just thinking, man, what happened in between those four years? Like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I, I was looking back through our text. I know. Do you remember Elliot? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dude, I was going to ask you about Elliot's Elliot program. Yep. And then you're in Social X. Yep. And then you were doing Connected. Yep. <laughs> and then now we're talking about sales momentum. Crazy, dude. Yeah, it is pretty crazy. Crazy. Yeah, Elliot was an absolute legend, dude. When we started our agency, he like gave us Connected for free. Yeah. Like, because we could not afford to pay the setup fee, which uh, I'm sure you guys. $14.97. Yeah, it was like yeah. $14.97. We were like, dude, like, we can't afford it. We were using like me, Alfred. For, that was like, like our startup months. capital to start the <laughs> <Yes>. business. <laughs> it was like yeah, $15. I'm like, we're good. I'm like, I'm believing this. What so were we much. even using it for at the time? We weren't even doing cold outreach. LinkedIn outreach. We were using to it to sign for. clients for our own business. Yeah. yeah. I, I just like $14.97, that number. Like, <laughs> my wife, like, when I was running and doing the connected stuff, yeah. fourteen ninety seven would come out of my mouth like sleeping. Like, <laughs> like demos and What's stuff. that meme where it's like he's thinking about other women and you're just like fourteen ninety seven? It was terrible. I would literally like she'd be sleeping and she's like, Yeah, you were doing another demo in your sleep. And I was like, Practicing, bro. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Talk about the reasoning behind that for a software to have a an onboarding fee of fifteen hundred and fourteen ninety seven. Well, so when we when we were getting the sales team started, it was the only way that we could actually have a sales team. Yeah. Right? Because there's a lot of SaaS companies out there that have low subscription, free trials, stuff along those lines, and their entire team or sales team is trying to sell, you know, hundred dollar subscriptions, <laughs> right? Where's the commission? Subscriptions. So Unless you have a lot of startup capital or whatever, you can't really afford a sales team yeah. because you can't build like what are they going to build ten thousand dollars of MRR like that's yeah. you know it's a thousand bucks clients maybe. you know maybe yeah so um, for us the clients that were coming on one they never set it up so how do we <laughs> you know get commitment that we're going to help them set it up it's an onboarding fee. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, how do we get our sales team to actually produce income and make money for themselves? Fourteen ninety seven. <laughs> so it it just it just happened that way, and they were doing that in the beginning, I think, to do the capital. And I don't think they realized how smart of a move that was for and retention. It just, it just became a thing, right? Yeah. And that's how we were able to go from when I came on zero salespeople to 65 yeah outgrowing two offices and a whole bunch of other unreal stuff. Yeah. yeah we'll go more into the connected story because there's so much to unpack there yeah. but let's go all the way back to social x because that's how we initially got connected um so basically background on that christian and i had a podcast in 
college, uh, and I think we interviewed Jacob at some point. Yeah. Um, and he was telling us about Social X, and then he put me in touch with you, and we joined. Um, and so tell us a little bit about what Social X was and, and just some of the good memories you have running the business. Oh, man. There's a lot of them. <laughs> I, Social X was probably by far the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of reasons, not just like the relationship sides. Like the conversation that we had where we shot a text and it was like, yeah. oh, there's my Social it's X. It's like a Social X calendar yeah. link. <laughs> yeah. That happens all the time. Really? All the time, still today. So Social X... Um, so before Social X, I in school started a bikini company, a bikini company, and it did really Smart well. Smart man. <laughs> so yeah, I was a I was social chair at my fraternity, and um, Ty Lopez was really big. Okay. So I saw his ads, and I was like, yeah. all right, drop shipping. Like, let's try <laughs> That's it. it. Why not? So we bought a bunch of bikinis, gave them all away for free to the sororities, and you know they started posting about it, and then we made all of our Stuff on our website, $19.99, everything was the same price, and uh, it just started blowing up. So I dropped out of school and started kind of a marketing company, negotiated space, office space uh, with a, basically with a modeling agency in Orlando, um, hired a bunch of my friends from high school, <laughs> and we started a marketing company, and Delphini was kind of running in the background. Fast forward, I met Justin at an event in Miami, actually, with it was a Grant Cardone event. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, like, damn, I'm trying to remember what it was. You guys remember, like, I Come Up? No. That sounds no. so familiar. I don't remember who's I Come Up. It. Was Why it like a group so or an event? Dude, that sounds so familiar. Yeah. I, anyways, we went to an event down in Miami. Met Justin at Sugar, if you guys know where Sugar is. <laughs> is uh, that the one in Brickell? Yeah. 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 The, yeah. And <laughs> I don't know. We just got to talking and he was like, I want to do an event. He called me like a week or two after. He's like, hey, I want to do an event. I was like, yeah, let's freaking do it. <laughs> so I drove down to Tampa. We threw a website together and, you know, Social X was kind of born there. Um, and it went from like a 50 person, like, let's have a meetup to like 100 people to like Justin wanting to do this massive yeah. 350 person thing and um yeah and then you know really we got about a month and a half out we had little to no tickets sold and we were freaking out justin put kind of all of his money in <laughs> you know we were losing our minds not sleeping and we realized like all right well let's hide the ticket pricing and the next day we woke up with like you know 100 leads so I started calling and we sold out the event and it was really awesome. And were you at the first Social X? No, we joined after the event. And like the event, the marketing from the event does everything because people yeah. see that and they're like, I want to be at the next one. Yeah. So we had the event and it was awesome. It was three days. I mean, think the whole nine, like really nice location. We had party buses, pick everybody up the first night, take them <laughs> to this other location. It was a bunch of vendors, artists, like DJ. It was, it was awesome. Wow. Um, Next day was more conference style, and then it was a workout with all the speakers, VIP, and then we went to water. Um, <laughs> in Tampa? Yeah, in Tampa. Oh, yeah. my God. So it was this three-day event, and, um, dude, everybody that was doing something now. The whole event sounded so good until water. <laughs> at, at I was 20. It was great. I was living life. So um, anyways, we do this event, and we thought we were going to like you know make money from ticket sales and stuff. 
anyways, we lost like a ton of money. <laughs> yeah, of course. And uh, but everybody was contacting us like, hey, what's next? Like we yeah. want to do something next. What's next? What's next? So we basically came up with like a crowdsource consulting model almost. That was kind of how it started is like we were going to go get the big names. They were going to come in and coach these pods of people right every other week. So we were doing coaching calls weekly, bringing the speakers weekly. It was just this monster of like we were able to go get big names because we had an audience of a bunch of startups of young yep. people that wanted to learn from different people so we were just connectors and then we started putting services behind it and a whole bunch of other stuff uh and it was awesome i mean we did a few events in miami we did one in mexico um we were kind of flying all over the place and wow. it was great um and uh, and then it wasn't <laughs> and uh, and it kind of it kind of fell apart, but it was uh, definitely the catalyst because I was young. I didn't have any real value to like give people because mm -hmm. I didn't have any experience. Yeah. But we had all of the connections to not just the the consumers of like the information that we're bringing to the table, but we also had the connections to the actual producers the experts. of the yeah. information, right? So we were able to build relationships with them by giving them value to an audience and then also taking the audience and giving them value through the speakers. Um, and it just created a really badass community. Like, Yeah, it was fire, it, bro. It was awesome. Right? Because it's so, so many things that like we even still do in our community today. Yeah. So, like so many great ideas in there. I yeah. remember you guys had like a, a Google spreadsheet of like all the members. And like on that first onboarding call, you're like helping me put together an email to reach out to every single one of them yeah and that's how i started to get on calls so i got on a call with like four people that i still know like jordan like we were talking about yep. nick mullen is is who i met from there like just so many like guys that i still am connected with and are crushing it from like that one google spreadsheet <laughs> it's crazy well, it was i mean we had no idea what we were doing <laughs> we just put a blindfold on and we're like, all right, we got to create a lot of value here somehow. Yeah. So we're like, all right, we got to do a lot of connecting. We got to do a lot of this. Anytime somebody comes in, let's gather resources, put it in our war room. I don't know if you remember <laughs> the war room, yeah. but, um, and eventually like a lot of the people that are now running really successful communities, like a lot of them kind of started back there. Like they were yep. just getting going. Um, so the network's really grown. A lot. Which is sick. Yeah. What was the biggest in-person event that you guys ended up doing? Uh, it was the one in Tampa, for sure. How many like, people was that? That was like 300, 350. It's insane. Yeah. We put on a lot of events, and it's, it's insane. We, we it's had, the cost We had so no <laughs> idea what we were doing. We had never done an event before. We decided to go three days all out. Like, it was nuts. There was no reason that that event should have been that well, like, ran. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it was... Like, where, you, where did you draw inspiration from? Was it the Grant Cardone event that you guys had just met at? I think we were just doing what we wanted. Yeah, like just for Justin, fun. Justin really liked, like, he was really good at, like, connecting, like, people and, like, the vision to stuff. And then I was just doing a lot of sales and then all the marketing kind yeah. of behind it. Um, and, dude, we were just like, all right, how do we just do really cool stuff? Like, okay, party buses. Like, yeah, let's do that. And then we're like, okay. Uh, water. Yeah, water. Like, let's Bottle take people service. there. And then it was, I mean, it just kept going. And then uh, one of our friends connected us with, like, a ton of the vendors. So, like, we had artists. And then we had, it was just, dude, it just rolled. Had everything. Yeah. It just, you just didn't, it, it just sounds like you were like, spare no expense. Like, we're just going to go for experience. We had no idea what we were doing, right? Yeah. So, like, it wasn't like we knew if we were doing something good or bad. It was just, like, 
let's just keep doing, you know? Yeah. And we, yeah. we had no idea. Like, it was just like, go until the event and then the event happened and we're like, holy crap. <laughs> and then we hit the down and it worked, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, what was like the biggest learning after that event? Because it sounds like after the first one, you're like, we got to downsize this. Um, honestly, if we were more experienced back then and we had um, just more business acumen, like we knew how to like scale and like put stuff together and kind of grow, it probably would have been a very successful business. Yeah. It, I think um, we were just young people doing business, you know, but we had a huge network and we had a lot of eyeballs and mm-hmm. people just wanted to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very hard for us to keep it on the rails, really. Um, so I'd say the biggest learning thing from that event One is like community is super powerful no matter what, whether you're doing a done for you service, like we're talking about that now within sales momentum is like, how do we drive the community aspect to what we yeah. do? Because revenue operations and systems and that whole side of things isn't like very sexy until you actually understand it and learn it. And then it becomes very sexy, yep. but there's not a lot of like community around it, right? Or at least there isn't uh, from what we've found. So community is super powerful. Um, one, I think being young and like naive to everything is probably just like you should run with that as long as you can. It's a good mindset, like 100%. good thing to approach it with. Yeah. Um, honestly, like that was my first real go around with like a real actual successful business. Mm-hmm. Um, and not from like a financial, but just from like a, we were doing shit that hadn't been done at a very young age yep. within kind of what our space. And right? it was valuable. Like you're helping like a market that was in need. It was sick. It yeah. was sick. So, <laughs> it, I mean, that was just a massive catalyst for everything that we're doing now. And a lot of our relationships today that helped sales momentum get started, even Jordan, right? Um, we're from Social Eggs. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the, I think about like, the guys that were running social X, like you guys all went on to do like really big things. Like you guys had a killer team of, of a players running the show. Yeah. Um, and so kind of talk about what you did after, right? Cause I know from there you guys had, I think within the community, like connected was kind of like a partner that yeah. got introduced to a lot of the members with a discount and whatever. And so is that where you bridged the connection to them to go and run their sales team? Yeah. So after, Social X, I was here in Miami and I met up with Elliot and a few others at his dad's house or Mm -hmm. whatever here in Miami. And uh, we got to talking and he was like, I was like, what do you guys like, who sells for you? And they're like, we all do. And it was five founders, right? So they're just all selling. And um, they had tried to do a sales team like once or twice. They had like this like, it was like old heads, like <laughs> all gray hair, 55, 60 years old, who were like their affiliates who like Devin <laughs> would get on with every week. And like that was kind of their sales team. So I was like, yeah, let me sell for you guys. And they're like, all right, sure. <laughs> it's like, cool, sounds good. So I started taking the sales calls about a week into it. I was like, this is just, this is too easy. Too easy. Yeah. Like this is like, let's just throw a bunch of people behind this and kind of see how it goes. So it's like, Hey guys, I'm not interested in selling, but I'll build a sales team. They're like, all right, go for it. Like, <laughs> sure. Like, yeah, have at it. Yeah. Why not? This guy's yeah, awesome. Take He's a do all the work yeah, for us. Like, yeah. Well, who cares? Go for it. Um, 
And at this point, they were probably doing like 20, 25K a month. It was still Chrome extension, like very underdeveloped, like just simple. Um, so I hired a bunch of my friends from high school and college, and there was about 15, and I just taught them how to basically line up the gun, reload it, and shoot down range <laughs> and just fill my calendar. So I was taking probably 10, 15 sales calls a day for probably about the first 30 days, um, and we scaled the hell out of it. Like we went from doing, you know, maybe a new client every other day to like four or five clients a day. Jeez. In like and a week or two. You were hiring just anyone you knew? Like, yeah. did they have to have any experience? No. No? So was that easy to, to I, sell on the phone I or you just the best sales training? I mean, I literally went to my friends who were like serving tables, uh, working at car washes, valet, Yeah, like whatever. talking to people. Also, yeah. just and think I, of how good of a product it was back then. Like It was huge. I early was days, like, guys, like, I was like, guys. LinkedIn automation was a cheat code. Like, you just immediately yeah, can fill your well, calendar. And, and that, was the, that was the crazy thing. So I was like, guys, like, look. All you have to do is click this, fill this here, do this thing here, do this thing here, respond to people and book them to my calendar and I'll make you a few grand a month. Yeah. And people were like, okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so anyways, like three, four weeks in, we've got 15 people behind me just filling my calendar. Um, and it just started to blow up. And, you know, if you fast forward, like probably about five and a half, six months, um, we had outgrown two offices. Everybody from Florida is moving to Indiana. It was now this like monster of a thing. They got a massive office in downtown Indy. Um, and for me, I had never built a sales team. I had never done recruiting. I had never done sales training. I had never done anything like that. But that was kind of when I found like, oh shit, I'm this is I'm really good at this. Yeah, like this is what I'm really good at. Um, and I just liked the idea of like being able to go to my friend from high school who's like not doing anything and be like, Hey, just come here, click these buttons, do this. <laughs> and like, you're gonna make a lot of money. Yeah. And it worked and it worked over and they and over probably and over loved again. you too. Yeah. It was cool. And that's where a lot of my relationships are from today too. Is like, you know, think about the social X moving into connected. Like I was just able to give a lot of value to a lot of people. Yeah. So a lot of those people who, cause they were coming, they were coming in from, doing nothing in college like think about like after college like no clue what they're doing serving tables like in debt whatever and then they're making 10 15,000 a month in like a month or two months and then they're buying their favorite car and they're getting a nice apartment and they're yeah. you know what I mean it was just like it was just this wave of like everyone we knew wanting to be a part of it yeah, it's so cool I mean for for me like a cool personal experience has been working with our guy Pete who me and Andre grew up with, but same exact situation. Like he was post-college, didn't really like his job. And I chopped on a zoom call with him at night. And I was like, do you have any understanding as to like what our business does? He was like, Nope. He's like, do you know what an agency is? He's like, Nope. I was like, all right, we're going to just talk for a couple of days here. I'm just going to fill you in on what everything is. And now flash forward, he's fucking crushing it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's such a good feeling. There's to put no better feeling. Like that. Yeah. No better feeling. So what, what, what ever happened to connected? Cause you guys were growing super fast. So it was like, the hottest software on the block, and then I feel like I haven't heard about it. I couldn't tell you. I think, um, you know, naturally, anything that does that well, everyone else starts to do it too. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, so I think there was a lot of competition. I left pretty early. So for me, what ended up happening with me is like I, I wasn't a founder, right? 
but I wanted to be treated like a founder. And that ultimately drove a wedge in between me and the other founders. But I had built this massive team behind me and I had all of their trust, right? And I had the leadership behind all of these people. And, you know, I mean, naturally you build a zero to a, you know, couple hundred thousand dollars a month, 500K a month software company with a big office, big sales team, a whole bunch of other stuff uh, and a lot of noise. Like a lot of people are now contacting me, asking me to do the same thing, right? So I knew I, I needed to be a business owner and it like, it was just, I needed that opportunity to go wrong for me to get out of my own head and just go do my own thing. Mm. So anyways, uh, me and all the founders are really cool now, but we had a fallout. Um, and a lot of the people after I left, left. Then that's just natural, right? Um, I recruited a lot of them. So anyways, um, I think competition came into the market pretty hard. Um, they still are developing some pretty cool tools, but I think they're shifting their focus to like next innovative yep. software, right? Uh, and that's all I really know. I mean, so. LinkedIn as a platform has made it pretty difficult for those guys too. Well, yeah, and LinkedIn's cracking down on it. Like, yeah. I can't even, I don't even touch LinkedIn anymore. Me neither. No. You know what I mean? I can't. You can I, send I like 25 like DMs a day, maybe. It's like 400 people are like, <laughs> hey, let's connect. Dude, <laughs> like, fuck you. Leave me alone. Every time I like accidentally log into LinkedIn, I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, this is a hellscape this, of. I mean, it's, it's still got its perks, right? But of like, course. It's, yeah. it's just not. I, I, it I was. Just, yeah, My life is much better without it, though. Back in back in the day, though, like you right. throw on some automation and like it was a cheat code. Boom, it was nuts. It was literal cheat code. Yeah. Oh, that, that so, was so much fun. But yeah, and then I mean, naturally, like a lot of people were contacting me asking if I could do something similar, and I had kind of built my framework around scaling teams. Right. It was a competitive structure. It was starting with one pod, getting the pod up to KPI, taking that pod, splitting it into two, developing people into sales leads, not sales managers. Right. So never putting people into management, but always making them the next really shiny object that's yeah. making a ton of money and helping people come in, start recruiting, bringing better training systems, like all of this stuff. So I built this kind of framework that I started bringing to all these different other companies and think like, like sales team rescue, like bar rescue. Like that's literally what I was doing. Um, and fast forward beyond that, um, those companies started coming back to us. And this is about the time when me and Jordan kind of started sales momentum was um, they were just falling back and they were like, hey, like we scaled through high hell, but like now we're falling apart, mm. right? And the way, like now what I look at a business or a department as is like there's mass and then there's velocity. Right. And mass is going to be your people, your recruiting, your training, like your leadership development, like all the stuff that matters to drive like the mass of the business, the people, right, the process. And then you have velocity, right? Velocity is going to be the systems, the accountability, the metrics, like being able to read data, automation, like actual systems behind what you have in your mass. Right. So you can build a great company with mass. But eventually it's going to get way overweight and your whole company is going to be basically obese and people are going to start getting pissed off, upset. You're going to start growing cancer. Stuff is going to start falling apart. You're going to have people leave who leave with a lot of people. Like that's what happens when you build a lot of mass with no velocity, right? And then there's companies that have 
none of this, but they just great tech people, yeah. right? You have to have both. So what we started realizing is we were building great mass, but we were building no systems, right? And that's what all these companies needed. So we got, again, to put another blindfold on and just start throwing stuff against the wall. We were building with Salesforce, close, go high level, pipe drive, uh, literally any system that you can think of we were building on. Um, and we had a few builds on HubSpot that just blew everything else out of the water. Why? Because we are like, all right, no zaps, not a lot of integrations. If we want to change something, like it's in one login, the implementation's a lot faster. The development and like of going through phase one to phase two to phase three of like systems was way simpler. You had way less people managing it, so it was cheaper, and it's all in one spot. So we found that HubSpot worked a lot better than everything else that we were doing, and then that's what led into the second iteration of SalesMentum and everything that we're doing today, right? And that's really what opened up a lot of the, the big relationships that we have now because now we can go into companies. We're not, we didn't start as systems people. So like we understand what the sales teams want, how they you know operate from like a setter level to a closer level, to a sales lead, to a manager, to a, like we understand all of these layers. And then my brother, while I was doing all of this on the sales side, he was doing everything on the fulfillment side. Mm. So the guy that you guys met That's who's cool. walking around That's here, cool. he would go in on the CS side, I was going in on the sales front. So now we get to go into companies and we understand all the way from when a lead enters the system, right? All the way from the bottom level, what it looks like, smells like, tastes like, how it should operate, what people want to look at in the morning, how do they run their meetings. Like we understand all these dynamics that nobody else in our space does. So we can build systems that are just 10 times more growth and just effective for the people that are actually using it as opposed to most of the companies in this space, they're just fix-it people. Yeah. This is broken, it's fixed, but they're not building it with growth in mind, right? So that's kind of how we've been able to really take this space, I guess, for what it is by storm and why a lot of the bigger names and the bigger people are coming to us now because there's a ton of system companies out there. There's a ton of IT people. There's a ton of like great architects that can fix things, but there's not a lot of people that have the background of building sales teams or building CS teams or working really well with marketing that also are very good at systems. Yeah, That's not very common yeah most of the hubspot consultants are looking at it from like a developer mindset and the sales manager comes to them and says hey we're doing this every day is there any way we can automate it and they're like yes but you come in with a strategy after doing all these like bar rescue style turnarounds and say that well you shouldn't be doing that at all like here's a proven system correct this is why it needs to or be it's way. or it's basically the latter of what you just said instead of them saying hey we're doing this every morning can we automate this we're going to tell them about that in the beginning of the build yeah Hey, look, this is something you're going to need when you get past 10 people, right? You're going to be splitting people into teams. You're going to be doing this. So like, this is how we're actually going to build the structure. So you guys can build into this instead of just giving you what you want today. Right. right. We're going to build you more of a sustainable and structured system that can actually grow. Right. Yeah. Like there's a consultant aspect to it as well, because you've (laughs) actually, that's that's all it is. That's all it is, right? Like you're the you actually have the experience building a sales team and leading a sales team using those systems rather than I just know how to build it in HubSpot. Good luck on how you use it. Yeah, have fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And it's not fun. <laughs> no, and I mean, that's what that's what makes it fun for us. Like, that's why yeah. we love it because we get to go in and they're like, well, we want this. And we're like, 
that's a really bad idea. And they're like, why? And we get to show them. And they're like, holy shit. Like, that would have taken us a year to figure out. And it's like, great. Well, now that you don't have to figure that out, everything's sound. You have a really solid foundation. Like, now give us your ideas. Now tell us what could be make this 10 times better. Right? But most people try and go to building, especially with systems. Yeah. Especially with systems. Like, people try and get all the bells and whistles before they have anything concrete at the bottom. And that's what we talk to a lot of our clients about. It's like they come in, they hire us. We're like, all right, we're going to build you the foundation. They're like, but we want this crazy in-depth blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you have five reps. You're doing a few hundred thousand a month. You have no system foundation at all. You have nobody on your team that knows how to operate or manage this, but you want to do this crazy in-depth automation that's on top of something that's not even there yet <laughs> it makes no sense it doesn't make any sense right but once you have a foundation and the teams actually understand more about it um, those ideas are possible and they're possible and sustainable at the same time right what's so, a good example of a client you had that was like crushing it but when you saw their back-end sales systems you're like holy shit you're missing out on like so much revenue can we bleep this don't like say a name but just an example because i think it's funny how I mean, even with us with Liskit, I feel like there's so much sitting oh. on the table because our HubSpot systems have, aren't built you have out no yet. Idea. There's, <laughs> I, I'm gonna say it, but we're gonna have to bleep it. Okay, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll bleep okay, it. Okay, so yeah, yeah, it was insanity, <laughs> like absolute insanity. We got there. Um, so first of all, <laughs> they just don't bring in consultants. They just don't. They do everything in-house. Yeah, all of it. Uh, and it's, that's the way they 100% should do it, right? But yeah. anyways, um, I can't tell too much about it because, like, well, no. <laughs> 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 but it was, uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. I mean, there's, what, what happens a lot is when people are building systems, right? Like, so CEO, founder, they're like, guys, we got to get a better CRM, whatever. We're on Monday. We're on a close. Like this yeah. is becoming a mess. We're on GHL. This sucks. Like we got to switch into something and they'll go over to like a HubSpot or Salesforce or whatever. And then guess who builds it? The CMO or the sales director. Yeah. So they're just kind of knee jerking and building as they go, which means that no one else on the team has any clue of how things are working. So if the sales director is building it, marketing is like, no clue what's going on. <laughs> if marketing's build it, they're building it. The sales team is just like doing a bunch of stuff manually. There's no real like it's just a mess. But it's funny how most of our clients, before they think about hiring somebody, like okay, if I was in my client's shoes, knowing what I know, I'd be like, all right, I can put my sales director, my CMO, and I can hire like a manager for systems, which is going to cost a lot of money and the overall like loss of revenue because they're focused on trying to build a system rather than produce and develop the team and whatever. Um, like I can just go hire somebody for yeah. this. Right. But what the, a lot of these companies do is they get a year, two years, three years into it, having their team try and focus and build on this. And it becomes the entire focus of the entire company every single day. And they're just putting out fires. Mm. They're not building they get to a certain point and everything is just constant like dominoes falling and they're just setting them back up. And so the whole entire team is now completely focused on does the system work? 
Is it going to work next week? We have a new campaign coming out. Like, how do we get this going? So your entire team that was set up to actually develop your sales team, you know, work on new campaigns or innovative campaigns for marketing, uh, work with your clients, do fulfillment. All they're thinking about is systems now. Yeah. Right. So most of these companies operate that way for about a year and a half, two years. And then when they come to us and we look across kind of their throughput of their system as a whole, right, there's massive inefficiencies and very like simple fixes that they could be doing. But nobody's looking at the system of like, how do we grow it? They're just trying to keep it alive. Makes sense. Right. There's some, what are some of those metrics you look at that are like, okay, so, there's something missing here? Coaching consulting. Let's just use that industry. Um one of the most common areas that we see where the biggest opportunity lies is going to be on the backside in their fulfillment process, right? So we look for what we call hot zones, right? It's when clients are very happy or very pissed off, right? It's, there's always like common pockets across the fulfillment. And if you're not tracking any kind of like uh, client success score or you're not having any kind of accountability with your coaches, right, for... Uh, you can call it a happiness score, like an NPS, uh, NPS, a C, whatever it is, right? Um, and you don't have any kind of client journey tracking. Most clients are just getting onboarded and then like they're kind of tracking where they're at, right? What we're trying to do is we're creating onboarding, but then a client journey. And then we're taking the renewal, the cross sell, the upsell uh, as an offboarding and it's all systemized. So nobody goes through the program without getting tracked from start to finish. So when their scores are very high month one, we know that's a perfect time to start introducing a testimonial collection for yep. the client. Month two comes, right? If their score is still as high as it was in month one, now we're going for referrals, right? Month three happens, it's still very, very high. Now we're going for the upsell, cross-sell renewal process, right? If their scores drop, well, we have an automated system and it's tracking that. So now instead of going for a testimonial, we're going for triage. We're trying to figure out how to make them better so in month two we can collect referrals, mm -hmm. right? So we look for all these hot pockets and what people don't understand is like, especially with with what most of the uh, like demand gen is for these companies, it's all, it's all paid yeah. unless they have a very big organic presence somewhere, right? So let's say their client acquisition, they're selling a $10,000, $12,000 product. Their acquisition cost is like two to three grand, right? Maybe a little bit higher. Um, so they acquire a product or a client for $4,000. Uh, that means they've got 8,000 in you know, net revenue. And then you take commissions and all the other stuff that comes with it for a 90 day program. Imagine if that person you knew 50% of the time was gonna renew or go into your upsell. And on top of that, the journey, you were getting collateral for marketing, so a testimonial. You're getting two to three referrals out of 60 to 70% of everybody that goes through month two. And on your renewal cross-sell, you're at a 50% conversion. Just knowing that. You're going to spend like with full confidence. You can just... Every yeah, last you dollar. You can outspend everybody else. Yeah. Right? So everybody's looking to fix their ROAS and their returns and all of these different things and all of these metrics on the front end of the process and sales. Yeah. And it, that's easiest to focus on. But most people just completely forget about the back end, right? Not realizing that that is like you're going to live and die on the back end of your process, right? So, and that's where a lot of these freaking gurus get their teeth kicked in, 
right? Because they're just selling like crazy. They're great marketers. They're great at selling, but their fulfillment is just garbage. Yeah. yeah. Right. So we see that a lot. And then, you know, no show is like a plague right now in yep. pretty much every industry, which we've got some really cool stuff, which we can talk about um, at some point. Um, and a lot of it's like, you know, if you think about like, let's say a company is bringing in a thousand leads, lead to booking percentage is 10%, right? So they're getting a hundred people a month booked on the initial entry, right? And let's say their show rate is 50%. So 50 people show up and their close rate is, let's just use round numbers, 50%. So 25 people close, right? At the end of the month. Um, let's say we change that lead to booking to 20%, right? Small tweaks, 10% lift on that is very easy actually, right? Especially if you have a good sound system, right? And yeah, a like sales they team. opt in, they call right away if they didn't book yeah. a call or there's an email flow. Yeah, so January you focus on speed to lead. Okay guys, we're going speed to lead like you have 15 minutes or your lead is gonna be distributed to somebody else. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. I don't know, I'm just making up a scenario. Um, but you're going to focus on that all of January. So you go from a 10% to 20%. So now you're booking 200 people instead of 100. And let's say nothing else on that back end changes. Well, now you're closing 50, so you just doubled. Damn. You just doubled. Just because that one number. Just one because change. you just focused on the one thing. Where people yeah. screw up all the time is they look at everything and they give their marketers initiative. They give their salespeople initiative. They give their fulfillment people initiative. And then they try and think on themselves, like we got to redo this pre-call. We got to redo this. We got to change that. We got to change the funnel. We got to do it. No, you don't. Just focus on one number a month and you can literally double revenue, double ROAS, triple ROAS, triple revenue, all by just focusing on little incremental gains on these wow. numbers. Right. And that's where people burn out and lose is because they're looked at, they're looking at this entire equation when really, all right, guys, let's take the lead to booking from 10 to 20. Let's take the show rate from 50 to 55. Let's take our, uh, you know, rebook off the no show from 10% to 25%. All of these numbers massively increase. And if you talk about the scenario that we just did, just by increasing that lead to booking from 100 to 200, right? People coming in, if there's a thousand leads, they're going from 10% to 20%. 25 clients in one month is great, but imagine if you sustain that, just that number over an entire year. You just doubled your entire business off one metric one in the process, right? And it's not this elementary and this simple, but like when you get a very sound system and you have really good people, so you have really good mass that are really down to build whatever vision is going on, right? Let's take list kit. You have a great vision. Everybody's bought in. Everybody knows what you're doing. You've got sound principles. Everybody wants to grow and you've got a really sound system and you're making decisions based on what metric are we going to grow this month or next month or this quarter. Now you can really just start churning. Right. And it pulls whoever's on the leadership side out a little bit so you guys can be more visionary and less like we have to get all of these things right this month. So I love this stuff. Simple. Love it's this awesome. Stuff. We can tell. It's awesome, bro. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's like super tactical for us too. Cause we're we're obviously in the business coaching and consulting and with List Kit. Yeah. Um, let's actually dive in real quick, go a little more technical for a minute. Um, what if, so what if one of those numbers for people listening is show rate, right? That's the one thing they want to focus on and lift this month with all the changes happening. What are some things that you've seen 
um, help in that area? Yeah. So the simplest thing, I'm going to go real tactical. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Okay. (laughs) Our audience. Simplest thing you can try is, um, so for whoever's watching this, like I'm going to guarantee probably about 95% of them are going to answer like, yes, this is your pre-call set up. So no matter who books goes through the exact same thing. Yes. Yes. So it doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter how qualified they are, how underqualified they are, how much they engage back with emails, how much they watch of your post call video, they get the same pre call no matter what. For Liskit, yes. Yes. Okay. So most people, that's exactly how it's going to be. So think about this like you have a, I don't know, you guys are selling B2B. Let's just say that, right? You're selling B2B. Somebody, uh, I book a call. I'm very busy, but I watch the post call because I want to know what's going on. Um, I'm opening the emails. I'm not going to respond, right? But you guys are sending me email, text. <laughs> I'm getting calls. I'm, I'm just getting blown up. Yeah, it's like right? one hour left, 30 minutes left. See you in five. I may just be chill. like, screw this. Like, yeah. you guys you just get pissed off. Yeah, yeah. You, like, you, this is way too much. Like, I'm good. You know, see ya, right? So I don't show up. But on the other side, let's say, um, somebody isn't going to show up and they're getting bombarded, it may help them show up, right? So the easiest thing that we've found to get to a more sustainable show rate that isn't like keeping you up at night is to make your pre-call conditional. So there's a tool called Vitalytics. Are you guys familiar? Yeah. 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 So Vitalytics, you can basically create play gates, which will tell you, you know, this person watched 25%, 50%, 75%, 100% of your post-call. So if I was going to tell you a very simple way to get your show rate up is first, drop your post-call video into Vitalytics, right? Make your pre-call more focused on getting them to watch this, right? And depending on how much of the video that they're watching, pull back your correspondence. Makes sense. So if they watch 25% and they're not opening emails, you should be blowing them up. If they watch 75% of your video or 100% of the video and they're opening one or two emails, leave them alone. Yeah, they're going to, you have a very high likelihood of them showing up, right? And this is completely dependent on your industry, right? If like you work with like realtors or like contractors, like they're on the go all the time. So like this, you could probably be very aggressive with them throughout the whole thing. But essentially what I'm saying is create two paths. One path where people are, they're not watching the post-call video, right? Uh, They're not necessarily opening emails, right? And maybe the threshold to go to the other correspondence is they've opened three emails or they've responded, right? Or they watch 50% of your post-call video. Okay, so that'll take them to the less aggressive side of the correspondence, right? Your second one is going to be they watch 50%, they're opening emails, right? Or they respond two different types of correspondence that you can make very personal because Mm. you know what assets they're engaging with right and you can start to set up what we call traps but they're not traps it's like they (laughs) open the email but they don't watch this text them yeah from the rep right so people kind of just set up pre-call one size fits all and they just let it run and they're like why don't people show up it's (laughs) like well how about we think about like the actual journey you're trying to take them through real quick and then let's make sure that if they confirm or if they are active or if they're like really engaging with what we're trying to get them to do, but they still haven't responded, we're not just destroying them with stuff, 
right? So very simple, two paths, you did analytics to playgate 25, 50, 75, 100%, right? Create two paths, make the bridge across from the super aggressive to not very aggressive. X amount of emails, so let's say three emails or two emails, right? And 50% watched. Very simple. If they do these things, they move over to less aggressive. If they don't do these things, we're making sure that they know yeah. that their call is coming up, right? So creating a more conditional approach to like, how do we want to meet people where they're at, right? In the pre-call process is going to be a lot better. And transparently, like the prospects will notice too. Yeah. That like you're kind of listening to 100%. what they're doing. Yeah. And then the next question that I'm sure our audience is wondering is, what do you typically say in the post-call video? Do you have sort of like a, a template you like to follow for those? Uh, I think it just depends. Like SaaS is pretty easy. Run a demo, case studies, like mm -hmm. why this works, why you guys are different. Like, you know, I think the biggest thing in the post-call is like talk to your sales team. What do people show up? What are the biggest questions? Like run through some of your transcriptions. If you guys are on HubSpot, use keywords or like search for, uh, you know, questions. If you're using something like Fathom, you can go find all the questions in every sales call. Um, but you want to address like there's a couple reasons for post call. One, you don't want to answer their questions. You want to get them more interested. So a lot of people will take the post call and just this is what we do. This is who we are. This is what you get. This is how it works. This is book. <laughs> And then the person's like, all right, I don't want that. They just make their decision off of a post call, right? When in reality, if they spoke to the rep and the rep was able to do what they were doing, it would have been a great fit, right? So you don't want to give people enough information to where they can make a decision. You kind of want to draw them in more with more of like the high level, but you also want to be able to handle some of the questions that they're going to have so that the sales rep can be very tight on a timeline and terms of the sales process, right? So for us specifically, we have a very long sales cycle. We have to learn what they're doing. We got to understand what systems are on. Are we migrating? Are we not? Like we have a massive amount of trust that we have to build in a short time to actually get our sale, right? To gain a client. So for us, like what we're developing now is more on a high level. How do we answer their questions before they get in? So when it comes to the sale, like, the reps, Riley, um, and the reps that are underneath Riley, they don't have to go three weeks answering questions, right? Because for us, if our sales cycle goes past like three or four calls, it's all technical mumbo jumbo, like well, what about this tiny thing, this tiny thing, this tiny thing, and the more that that happens, the likelihood of the sale goes down, right? Because they're just fixated on all these random tiny, tiny little aspects that could go wrong or whatever, and it just, it is basically like a nail in the coffin, like, that sale is either going to take two months or it's just like not worth it anymore because they're hyper fixated and all this stuff. So our pre-call is now going to be much more high level, but also focused on kind of what questions they're going to ask around the technical side so we can get them past that so that the salesperson can handle everything they need in like two or three calls rather than 10, right? It just depends. Yeah. But I would, I would just say, look at your sales calls, look at the questions people are asking and try and answer their questions uh, while intriguing them more, right? So if it's just you speaking, handle everything, but don't show what it actually looks like, right? Yeah, you need to give them a reason to still come to the call. Absolutely. Or else they won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about was the team that you're currently working with. Like your brother, your twin actually, yeah. came in here earlier uh, and we were chatting with him, but Tell us a little bit about like what the team is now currently because 
we're here. You got a sick place in uh, Miami. You got a bunch of desks set up everywhere, and it looks like like a little compound. Like everybody's just kind of grinding here. I would love to understand. Sauna, like, cold the, plunge, all. Yeah, all, what's yeah. the dynamic looking like there? Um, one thing, you know, sales momentum. I'll, I'll start by saying this: sales momentum. You can make good money doing like very high ticket, done for you service stuff, but it's very difficult to scale. But what it does allow us to do is it attracts really smart people that want to get their hands on really cool projects, mm -hmm. right? And then if you get those people that want to come in and you're able to provide them with massive projects and big names and different things like that, um, you're basically giving a lot of really talented people a ton of development time, right? So sales momentum for us is kind of a, the long-term play is private equity. Right now it's talent acquisition. Like how do we make the company so attractive to really smart people and specialized people to work with a lot of really great companies to get all of that experience to attract more really smart people and just so on and so forth so we can get into kind of the next level of it. Because this company isn't a, I mean, right now it's not a, there's not a lot of financial gain. Yeah. Right. It's, it's very long time frames, uh, lots of fulfillment right? Lots of custom stuff. Like we're working on it, but it's, uh, it's more of like, we want to just build a badass team. So right now we have a fulfillment department. We have a PMP. So a project management department, we have our marketing department, we have sales and then kind of leadership stuff. Um, and right now full time, there's about 15 of us. Um, some are up in Tampa, some are in Orlando, some are in Indiana, some are in Minnesota. And a lot of them are down here in South Florida. And one of the things that we realized with our business is like the proximity of somebody being able to walk out, knock on my office door and sit down at the table and like hash out a problem real quick and then go back to what we're doing. Just that alone solves so many inefficiencies across yeah. business. Yeah. So if we want to scale, we need to get people closer together. Right. And for us, like we're just not uh, go get a business office somewhere and like drive an hour and it just wasn't us. Like, yeah, you don't like, want to commute to work. I don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nobody else wanted to. So we're like, let's get a house. <laughs> let's get a house. Let's just pack it with everything we want and what we could need. And let's just make it super attractive where people want to be here. Let's make it flexible. Um, we can hang out here. We can work here. We can, yeah, we could sleep here. Like it doesn't matter. Right. Um, and that was the kind of idea behind this. And so far it's been, I mean, it's been awesome. It's been really cool. Um, and just to have the, you guys here, you know, like, yeah, you're you in do town, like easy. Stop by. yeah. yeah Super cool. so far. Yeah. You, you cash in on a lot of opportunities, just having a place like this. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to get into is like how for you, like running in person events has kind of evolved, right. Going from what you did at social X to now what you're doing, like with your own business with sales momentum, whether it's like client specific events, like you were saying, um, and, and just kind of other events that you're getting into. So, I mean, the one from your like, Instagram story was so far from last year. Like oh, yeah. at, that was like at a, like a mansion or something in Miami. That was cool. That like was really cool. The, the experience looked insane. You guys had like a hibachi chef or something like outside. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like what? It was cool. Um, are you familiar with Icon? Clever? Clever events. So. This dude with long hair. 
he's a, <laughs> he's a complete psychopath when it comes to events but he's like that's all he does he just loves events. the client experience events side right um so we partnered with him uh for our first ever like sales momentum event and um i think for us it was like i don't even know how we came to the idea of having an event i think it was yeah. icon we we connected with Icon. He's like, all right. Is that his time. name? Yeah. His name's Icon. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what up, Gavin? We got one of the killers right here. Yeah, so <laughs> what's going on? Love the shirt. We're rolling. It's uh, a sick shirt. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to. We are live. We are live. Yeah. <laughs> You're all good. That was a good cameo. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the first event was. Let's just, so with us, we wanted to challenge ourselves. Like, how do we teach everything we do in three days? That was the idea with the event, right? It was like, all right, all of our clients, they have what we've built, but they don't really necessarily know how to like, like they don't know much about this like stuff. Like why it yeah. works or how it works. How it works, why it works, like the philosophies behind it. Like, like okay, we're going to grow. A lot of them wanted to know sales team stuff, which we just like, a lot of the people... Imagine going from sales team building to like systems and everyone knows you as like the sales team builder. So like when I, a lot of people come to me and I'm like, yeah, I just don't do that anymore. Like here's everything I used to do. Like you can have it. <laughs> yeah. They're like what the hell? I'm like I just don't do that anymore. I do this. Right. So it was kind of like, how do we give them everything we do and teach the people that need to understand it, everything in three days. And that was our challenge with it. So a lot of the people at the event were our client sales directors or our client CMOs or our clients operations managers or whatever. Um, and it was sick because everyone stayed on property. So we got, it was like a, it was like a, a 20,000 square foot. It was huge. Jeez. Like, I can't remember how many bedrooms, but it was, it was monster monster. House. It was like an Airbnb or, uh, I don't know. Clever got it for us, <laughs> but basketball court inside, monster pool area yeah, you guys got like about you had a basketball tournament or something yeah we had a basketball i mean it was just, it was just like again like Insane. how do we make this awesome yeah you know um and you know for us it was like we had never met any of our clients in person they had never met us so it was always a, we talked to them every day it's over Zoom. yeah but for us it was just like all right let's get people together let's start some kind of community aspect around this and then let's try and see how much information we can get everybody to digest in three days because there's so much that we have to go yeah. over. Um, and there's actually some funny stories around it. So I was building the presentation until the start of the second day. <laughs> so the second, the first night was just everyone getting there. We had kind of like, you know, like everyone's mixing it up, cocktails, food, whatever. Second day was the first day of like the presentation that night uh i got food poisoning oh geez so i was sick from like probably 11 or 12 o'clock until about 5 a.m the next day oh my god and i had to go on and speak at eight for basically a 10-hour session <laughs> and you did it so i wake up toughed um, it out my assistant at the time uh called the fire department the fire department came they were sticking me everywhere with anything they could. They had two IV bags in me. I've got a picture I'll show you guys later. It's hilarious. But basically, think of like think of like a, a like a computer like loading 
Like they were just sticking me with stuff. The fire department? Just, yeah. Literally like a medic came. <laughs> I was Emergency. done. I was I was like like this is the Jordan flu game. I was you get through it though? It was like the worst food poisoning thing I've ever had in my life. It was terrible. Dude, from the hibachi chef? In, in general. No, from uh, we we weren't supposed to go out to dinner, but everyone wanted to go out to dinner, so we went to like um, you know where they carved the meat off, like uh, yeah. not Texas State Cow, Foco de Cow, yeah, something like that. Um, everyone else was fine, but I just dude, I was got the wrong slice. I was bad. It was terrible. So, anyways, they're sticking me. It's like ten minutes until I have to go on. And I just remember like sitting up and literally just like, like just like booting up. And I was like, okay, ready let's to go. freaking go. I had nothing in me except for IVs, fluids, vitamins. Like they were giving me stuff called nods. I don't know what nods are, but so I'm I'm superhuman for like 10 hours and I get to go through the whole day. Oh like God. no food, just imagine being detoxed completely, but nothing but fluids and vitamins and just like just felt amazing. anything. Yeah. So got through that day uh we weren't gonna do an offer but icon was like hey no you're doing an offer so we made an offer that next it was just dude it was just a fun event yeah it's a fun event the content was i think too intense so what we learned from it was like you know less is going to be more for our next event like we went people were just like melted yeah how do you balance fun and information at an event because with us it's like we sit in a room for eight hours you can kind of tell the energy is low everyone's like tapped out yeah. And then you mix in like a basketball tournament. Yeah. Just I keep mean, the energy up. Yeah. I I think um, you know, attention span, right? Like if this podcast was four hours long, like no way. Yeah, no way. You know what I mean? But if it's an hour, hour and a half and like something funny like Gavin walking in yeah. just <laughs> randomly, you yeah. know, like okay, people are like, okay, huh, now I'm a little reset. So yeah. like I'm not an expert in events clever and those guys are just absolute geniuses with it like they are so good it's insane they, i think the one thing that they told us was like no matter how big the event is people won't remember uh, much about the event but they're going to remember the food that you serve them the food okay food is super like, important. i was like no way and we looked at our surveys and everyone was like, the food was insane. And we're like, damn, dude. Like, all right. Double so, down on the food. I mean, for us, dude, it was like, all right, let's have fun with it. Let's try and deliver as much good information as we can. And let's just hire Clever in them. And they'll create us a really badass event. So when working with Clever, it was more just like, what's the craziest thing you can think of? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Like, you should hear the ideas we have now. Like, my idea for next year is to do a car rally down California <laughs> with like 30 business owners so literally go from resort to resort rallying Bro, so rent what? a bunch of cars like ferraris whatever and get like our really high-end clients do a speech like do some content each, whatever, like, resort. and then drive down the and then one. do one and then drive down it's far so talk about how to mix it up and, and have yeah. breaks in between well it's just different right like <laughs> like clever and them they rented a battleship a battleship, like a military ship, and did a... You can rent those? Yes, dude. <laughs> That's what? fucking sick. So, like, when they're telling us ideas, we're just coming up with stuff, and, like, it just worked. So, I'm no means an expert with events, but I do have a really good sense of people. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was just a fun event, man. Bro, what were they doing on a battleship? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> 
you should see the videos. They're like in helicopters shooting stuff. Like. Midway through a speech, there's just like a hostage situation. Like. <laughs> yeah. No, it was sick though. That's so so yeah, I mean, you bring in people like that, just have crazy execution around big vision, so you can just do what you like to do. And yeah. for me, it was like putting the presentation together. Um, you know, I've never done like a course community for myself other than kind of social X, right? Um, so that's kind of like the practice for me. It was like, all right, I just got to practice presentations, practice building content, practice. Like what we do is so hard to teach people. Yeah. Otherwise, we probably would have some kind of like coaching done or- with you, do it with us type of thing. And we tried it and it was just so freaking difficult, dude. It's so hard to get people to comprehend not just a platform, but also like the philosophy and like the understanding of how everything ties together across marketing, sales, fulfillment, and so on and so forth. Right. So, and naturally, like this is one of the things that makes sense to bring it outside help for. Cause for me right now, I'm stuck trying to build systems all day in HubSpot and I fucking hate it. Like, it's what, what we're talking about in the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, guys. We're going to a new system and everyone's like sick and then six months into it everyone's just sweating putting out fires yeah, yeah where if i could just hop on a team meeting every day and just go over and review a call and be like hey you're saying this way too often don't do this or mm-hmm. i can just be more so like a coach as opposed to part-time systems developer it's uh it's just more effective for everyone 100 well imagine six months of you developing a system compared to you developing 10 people on your sales team exactly yep it's a huge the opportunity cost is massively different yeah right so and oftentimes you spend six months building a system just to realize the system is a piece of shit i gotta tear this all down well I, dude well some people <laughs> some people like they just get it they really develop it but the like they'll get it in their domain and then it's like all right you're the systems guy and you're like wait a minute i i thought i was the sales director now marketing's asking me to do stuff fulfillment's asking me to do stuff right and like that's never fun you know what i mean like guys i'm here to build a sales department and now i'm building tech marketing systems and fulfillment systems and it's like what the hell's going on right so yeah i don't know but yeah i think this year in terms of events like we are we're sponsoring sls with patrick which is going to be really cool uh Last year, we did just about every possible different offer that they had. We did everything. We did SLS, we did Vault, we did CXO, we did Elite, we did, uh, God, we did BPW, we did, I think I said Vault already, but we did everything that we did. And it's hard to find mentors and coaches that you can both look up to and then are true from, look, he's on the podcast right now. Like, <laughs> This is one of the guys that I was reading books of at like Connected and Social X. Yeah. And then we got the opportunity to work with them as a client. And then we realized like I've spent so much money on different coaches, consultants and different things. And uh, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's horrible. But every dollar I spend with these guys like with PBD and value payment, it just comes back 10 times, 10 times more. And they hold you to a different level. Right. So. Meeting new yeah, people. Like what, doing different what is that that makes it that much different? Because you've like we've all been doing online business for years now. We've all bought a bunch of different courses, coaches. Like, why have you been like, all right, kind of like putting blinders on here? He is my one like mentor coach. Like, what is what what is that like special quality there? Um I think there's just like they don't really look at things in terms of like 
I'm not a client in their eyes for today or this month or next month or whatever. Like I feel like they're really looking at us in like a three, five, six, eight, ten year vision. Mm. Right. So for them, like at least this is kind of the way I, I view it is like I work with this guy named Aaron. Aaron's a I love Aaron. He's dude. a savage. Yeah, he's, really good dude. Yeah, he's awesome. But he's learning from Patrick, right? Yeah. And then I work with Patrick once a month and sometimes more if I'm lucky, right? But um he holds me accountable right he's looking at the year the three years the whatever he's connecting me with people all these different things um and you know one of the opportunities they gave us was like sponsoring sls like at mar-a-lago at mar-a-lago <laughs> like Dream. We're, we're, we were like one of the smallest companies in the <laughs> entire room you know what i mean but we're very aligned to what they're trying to do and we fit very well. Like there's what, not a lot what of, their clients are trying yeah, to do 100%. as well. So I just feel like, you know, like when you're with certain courses, companies, et cetera, like they're like, all right, this is the next 90 days for us. Right. And like you kind of go through it. And then like after the 90 days, it's like, good luck, peace, like, have fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, six months later, you meet them again. They're like, who are you? Yeah. I just don't feel that here. Like, I feel like they genuinely are looking at like a very in-depth, like long-term, like if we make all of these young guys, girls, women, whatever, these small companies like massively successful, like that's going to help us a lot and it's going to help them a ton. You know what I mean? So the more they can do that, the better. So I feel like they identify like gems almost in like different areas and they really try and double down on yeah just give them opportunities right so i don't know it's just been a very good alignment from the beginning um and their people are just really good yeah you know like it's you know we're also 20 minutes from their office we get to go there some i mean it's it's just like it's worked really well uh and that's rare right so i'm not saying it would be a good fit for anybody but it's uh for us i had wanted advising for so long that was like at a level where like I could hundred X and still be asking questions to the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of mentors, like and you guys have probably seen this where you join a community and then three months later you're, you're like doing past. more revenue. You have more employees, yeah. you, have, you know what I mean? And like, you're almost coaching the, them. Yeah. The coach. And I was doing that for years. Yeah. And with Pat, That'd It'll be tough. Be tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be I don't tough. know if that would work. So I don't know. I, I just, super fortunate and it was fun. And I mean, they're no bullshit. You know, yeah. they're just, they're they're just professionals, bro. Like that's yeah. how I describe them. Like when we went to a couple of their events, like everyone around them, they just like have an aura where they're just like so locked in. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Him in particular, he moves like the president. Like, they're like yeah. sir, we got to be out of here in 30 minutes. He's like, okay. And he roger, just, roger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's just a big dude. <laughs> he's a pretty big dude. He's a big dude. I don't know. I, I respect him a lot. And it's hard to respect somebody for a long period of time. Yeah. And that um, kind of phase out of it. Yeah. And it's just like, you find new ways to, all right, yeah. Respect him again. <laughs> and again. again you know. What about um signing whale clients i feel like that's something that you've done like extremely well with this new business like obviously working with value tainment and you have an impressive client roster as well like what do you kind of contribute that to i think it goes back to like what we were talking about in the beginning like i think a lot of people all right let's just take businesses that have been in business for a while yeah right um 
when they're thinking systems and stuff along those lines, like they usually think like IT manager or like uh, shit. I don't even know what they'd call it. You know, it's just like they they're so used to people being super engineering or developer or whatever, right? Um, that for when we come into like bigger companies and they have really good engineering strength or really good developer people, right? Like really good IT backed people. We're like a breath of fresh air because they're going to out tech us, but we're going to strategize everything that they would be doing 10 times better than what they'd be doing it like, right? So when we do find bigger clients, it's like, one, when you're talking to the COO and you're talking to the CMO and you're talking to the sales director and you're talking to the CEO, it's a completely different conversation every single time, right? So we first had to like kind of learn like this is how the CEO is going to want to be spoken to. This is how the COO is going to want to, you know, be talked to and how the flow is going to go. This is how the CMO is going to work. This is how the sales director is going to work. This is the person that's going to try and block us every single time, right? So that kind of started happening. Um, and I think it's just a breath of fresh air for companies like that to have people that bring more than just, we're going to fix this shit for you to the table. It's like, Hey, no matter how big the company is going back to a consulting approach, like let's take a hundred million dollar a year company and let's take the first hypothetical scenario that we talked about where it's like, all right, they generate a thousand leads and 10% get booked. Imagine company doing a hundred million dollars and their lead to booking percentage went up two and a half percent. Insane. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Now, imagine if their lead to booking went up two and a half percent, their show rate went up five percent, and they started rebooking five percent more people. Now we're talking tens of millions of dollars, like yep. potentially, right? Yep. So when we go in and we lay it out that simply, most companies that have been around for a while, their people are just like not looking at things like that. So when you can kind of bring them back to like looking at the growth areas again, not just like how do we keep the freaking train on the tracks, right? Like it, I think it builds a lot of trust with them, right? And it helps you in your sales process because they can just start to easily visualize what the ROI is going to be. Yeah. Because you're going to drop the number on them at the end of the call and they're going to be like, oh shit, that's a lot of money. But if you're like, well, if you guys literally just increase this number right here and everything else stays equal, you'll yeah. have ROI in two months. We're still, and yeah, 100%. And I mean, we're still working on like going up logo is something that like we actually don't necessarily want to do right now. Why? Because the bigger companies have 10, 15 different people that want to make decisions, right? You've got to review, check, review, check, review, check, go live. And it's just like, like the way we operate is like, we really like fast projects that are like, you're going to let us run with it. You trust us. Let us guide you through this. Right. And then on the other side, you guys tell us what you need, but let us build you the foundation with the bigger companies. Like they really don't like to change. Yeah. They really don't. Yeah. It's like follow up with me in Q1 of 2025. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well that, and it's also like. Hey, right now your sales reps are doing all of these things. Like they should probably be doing two of these things. Everything else can be automated. Nah, <laughs> that's crazy. What? A, and it's just like, it just makes sense. And they've been doing it this way for two years, three years, whatever. And whoever built that system is still there too. So it's like, they're like tied to it. 
they just don't like a lot of change, especially a lot of change fast, right? And if the company is big enough, because I've talked to a couple enterprise type accounts for for ListKit, the person who is in charge of evaluating different vendors and people that they're working with, they just dwell over the dumbest fucking details. Oh yeah, because it's their job to. Like if you, they have are literally a, a goalie. Yeah. Yes, literally. <laughs> they are a goalie. It's it's weird because we're all running like pretty lean, quick, agile businesses, and we're just way smaller. But like, imagine your job title being like head of vendor relations. <laughs> of course, you're gonna put way too much time into every little detail because like you you got eight hours in a day just to think all about this. So yeah, I agree that with you person, there. Uh, that person wakes up and thinks, "How do I?" piss people off that are trying to help us (laughs) how can i crush the sales how can i just crush their dreams and make it all about this one line in their contract that just doesn't make sense but their dreams were crushed so i get it like there's no nobody ever woke (laughs) up and little johnny was like i'm gonna be a vendor relations um, manager one of the companies we talked to yeah yeah no i mean you'll you'll have a lot of people there or if it's not like that specific job title will be somebody yeah controller controller which is like the perfect job title yeah yeah but i mean dude that's literally what the ceo hires these people to do yeah right um so i mean dude our our sweet spot right now like our favorite type of clients is like sub 10 million like the sub 10 million clients the sub 20 million clients like God, it's just so much fun and you can help them drastically scale because usually if you think about it, zero to a million, right? And then there's a million to like five million, five million to 10, and then 10 to 20, and then 20 to 50, right? There's like these tranches that people go through. When people are sitting between like that five and 20 million, everything is about systems, all of it. It's all about creating machine, right? And then it's about bringing the right people in. And then it's about trading. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on. But, um, dude, from 5 million to 20 million, like, it's how well can you connect marketing with sales, sales with fulfillment, and then get fulfillment back into the sales process. Like, if you can do that really well and you know, you know, you can spend more here and it's going to create a lot more here and these are your numbers, it's all about getting clear on your numbers and what the system looks like. Yep. And that's the only way that you're going to be able to crank past those tranches right it's like one million five million we're getting a crm you know what i mean like we're gonna create a sales team we're gonna run paid ads instead of just basing off referrals we're gonna do we're gonna start developing processes and ids and stuff like that Uh, we're gonna bring in more soloed positions so it's not same person doing everything and then five to ten million right it's like all right well now we need to track everything Right. And then 10 million to 20 million, it's like, all right, well, now we need to fix our costs on acquisition for sale or whatever the hell it is. Right. Um, it's all about the system. It's like usually when you're going from like that million to five million, you're attracting the right people. Right. So you get people in. And then it's like super inefficient to go from five to 10 and then 10 to 20. And it's like, how simple can we make the system and the process? So all we have to do is hold people accountable to their numbers and align them to more upward growth so we can develop leaders, which is what Patrick talks about all the time, right? And if your entire team at the leadership level is focused on the system and focused on the, like recreating everything all the time, nothing's documented, like you're fucked. Yeah. You're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when we get to go into those companies, like we just get to take the full system shit off their plate. 
and give them something that's super scalable and sustainable. And that allows their people just to get fired up and just charge, which then allows everybody else to develop a lot faster, which then if you look back a few months, years, whatever later, it's like, yeah, we helped with that. Yeah, you know there's I mean? a big like, change. That feels and good. they see the numbers, so they can't hide from like their actual performance. Yeah. There's transparency. Yeah, it's, it's measured, so we can actually track it and, <laughs> and hold them accountable and like hold you're people saying to things yeah so and that's that's also a potential downfall is like some companies we go into people are used to do just doing whatever the fuck they want yep right and then when we put in a system that actually brings all their numbers up every single day <laughs> dude i mean it's real but a lot of people will leave yeah cuz they don't want to be bothered yeah well they also just don't want to change if you go into a company and they have a big sales team there's always going to be one guy at the top who's just like carrying all the weight like, well, maybe, hopefully not, but okay. sometimes, yeah, right? The, cl- the main closer is doing 75% of revenue or whatever. That's definitely a scenario, but not the one that I'm trying to go after is like the full team could be bought in. There's going to be one guy at the top that's just like change, like no fucking way, <laughs> like absolutely not. But what people don't realize is like that person is what everybody's looking at. So if this person doesn't want to actually sustain or grow or systemize anything, you're screwed. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not going to. The whole bottom could shift and change and do things. The only way you're going to get the attention of this person, at least what we found, is like getting these people to produce and develop a lot faster because they're in the system. And then this person be like, "Oh shit!" Like they're catching up. Maybe I should. And you can kind of bring them in that way. But usually, this person ends up leaving. Usually. Or you just fire them. Like sometimes, yeah. If they don't adopt the system, and there's not much else you could do, especially if they're just most people don't fire them though. Most Why? People, it's just a revenue. They can't like they can't part ways with it. I think they're just unable to fire people. Mm. They've been here for two years. They've been here for three years. They've been here for four years. They've you know whatever. Um, so they just get to do whatever they Same want. Same thing for them. It's like they don't like change either. Yeah, for sure. So, Christian, you want to hit the lightning round? Let's do it. All right, bro. Lightning round is a series of a few quick questions meant to uh, get the the brain thinking because they're i mean they're supposed to be quick but no one can get these quickly so we'll start (laughs) with if you could have dinner with any three people dead or alive who would they be and why elon musk Hmm. actually this would be really interesting elon musk and think about all three of them being at the same table that's that's what i'm thinking right now he's got to be the most common yeah elon yeah well i just I'm, i'm about halfway through his book so that's one of the main reasons um, I would say Elon Musk, um, Mark Zuckerberg, just because that would be... They'd finally fight? That They'd fight. <laughs> They'd well, fight just think about what they would talk about. <laughs> you Elon wouldn't even would, understand. Elon would just be poking at him with <laughs> random things. And like, Showing so him memes and Elon, stuff. Actually, you know what? This would be literally perfect i'd have patrick bet david okay because he would literally he would moderate, moderate it yeah, i thought you were gonna go rogan <laughs> he would mod oh or joe rogan that would be a really good one too oh man that'd be a good one either one joe or patrick and then i'd have elon and i would have uh zuckerberg, zuckerberg. <laughs> and the reason is i wouldn't want it recorded i would just want them to be able to talk about whatever because i feel like i would learn about Literal world secrets and like (laughs) what's going to happen and just all of these crazy, crazy things. Um, And I could probably just sit back and listen. That'd be 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 a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great answer. Somebody, whoever watching this, like, because you can create AI, like, 
they should where create they talk that. to each other. They a should PBD talk. moderated dinner. PBD or Joe Rogan moderated Elon Musk dinner with Zuckerberg. <laughs> that would that go would viral. Be that would be, be fire. fire. Good right. answer. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really good one. Painted the picture for us too. Um, my question in the lightning round is if you could put out one last piece of content that goes out to all your clients, all your followers, all your close family and friends, what's the message you want to leave them with? Mm. Damn. Mm. That's a really hard question. <laughs> I think... Um, I would say whenever, you know, going back through everything that we've talked about, like whenever you're looking for the opportunity to help other people and like that comes first, you can usually use that as like a guidance or a compass for yourself. Mm. Um, and for my family, like I've got a bunch of younger brothers, you know, like got an older sister and then friends wise, like, um, you know, I don't talk to a lot of my friends anymore, a lot. Like, I see them every once in a while. Um, I think everybody's just in this transformation phase right now. Like, everybody's kind of like that 23 to, like, 30 age. Yeah. Um, and if I've done anything right and wrong, it's just been literally fall with my gut. And wherever there's a chance to help a lot of people and do things and bring people into a bigger vision and get fired up and excited about something, I've always done it. Um so lean on that, I guess, is what That's I really good. Yeah. I love that, bro. Yeah. Sweet. Last question. What is one goal you have this year that has nothing to do with money or business? Uh, I'm writing a book. Cool. Okay. But does that have something to do with business? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, question again? It was... One goal that you have that's just like non-monetary, not about business, uh, just like something you want to accomplish this year. I want to go on a two-week vacation to Italy where I literally don't have my phone, my computer, anything. And I'm it. just going to eat so much pasta. All so day. Pizza. Dude, it's so Every good. Day. I've been there twice. What part what parts are you going to? Um I don't know. I mean, I'll probably definitely go to uh probably like Lake Como yep, and that's where I, I mean, wherever the best food is transparently. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll probably go to multiple places, but yeah, I last year I did a week. This year I want to do two weeks. Um, I think last year I was at this point where like, I was just freaking toasted. Like I was just burnt out, burnt. Yeah. And, uh, actually the team was like, yeah, you, you're leaving. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> you're leaving. And I was like, okay, fine. So I went on vacation for like a week and I came back and like the business was running. Everybody was doing better. Like it was actually great. Cause I was white knuckling everything. I couldn't, no one could do anything more because I was just so tight on everything mm. in the business. So that kind of forced me on vacation for a week and uh, came back and everything was running still solid. Great feeling. Yeah, so I was like, holy crap, this is great. Two weeks next year. Yeah, two <laughs> weeks next year. So I think this year it's going to be, yeah, two-week vacation in Italy. Um, I've got one thing that comes to mind that I can't mention here. It's, it's big, but it's, uh, yeah. There's a couple things it, this year that'll be great. going to be a but good year. This was fun, guys. Yeah, yeah man. super fun. Where can the audience find you and follow you just to keep up with all the things you're working on? Yeah, um, I would say Instagram. We've got YouTube that's starting to roll. Just crossed the hundred subscribers. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, but I yeah, I think I'll, I'll subscribe right now. I need, yeah. I need, I need <laughs> actually your do that content. because if, if you're watching this, go to YouTube, Aaron Platt, subscribe. There's not a lot there yet, but we're going to be pushing there. Um, yeah, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and then, I mean, whatever Gavin. Is. TikTok, baby. All right, TikTok. I, guess, I guess TikTok. <laughs> um, yeah, Instagram's probably the best spot. Yeah, Love just it, Aaron Platt. Love it. Yeah. Well, appreciate you doing Good this, stuff, dude. Bro. Appreciate Drop you, brother. Knowledge. Thank you. Good stuff, bro.